Growing up, we had music playing constantly in our house. And after Thanksgiving, it became fair game to play Christmas music in our home. And so it played nonstop until shortly after Christmas. It was one of the signs of the times, you could say. You knew Christmas was coming because you would start to begin singing Christmas hymns in your sleep. Though I can't actually verify that, it wouldn't surprise me if it did happen. It played for hours on end. And it never bothered me, and I actually enjoyed it. And to this day, if you were to stop by the parsonage, you're probably going to be hearing Christmas music being played over and over and over again. As I was preparing for this sermon, one of those songs that was playing in the CD player of my childhood came to mind. I don't remember ever intentionally listening to it, but I remember the words in my head over and over again. The chorus goes simply like this. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. And as we look at our text here this morning, and as you live your life in this world, I would ask that you keep this truth in your mind. My deliverer is coming. My deliverer is standing by. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus speaks of the destruction of the temple. And he's asked by his disciples, saying, When will these things happen? And Jesus tells them what's going to happen. And then he changes gears a little bit in verse 25. Verses 25 through 36, Jesus teaches the disciples not about the destruction of Jerusalem, but about his second coming. And he tells his disciples that when certain signs take place, the king will come. So be on guard and keep on the alert. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 21 as I read verses 25 through 36 and follow along as we read what to expect. And again, I'll invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. It's Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 36. Reading in Jesus' name. There will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves Men fainting from fear in the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it, and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all the things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Father God, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray this morning that you would sanctify us in your truth. Lord, that you would help us to turn our eyes unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Signs tell you what time or what season we're in. Right now you see all kinds of signs reminding you that Christmas is coming. Whether it's the purple altar cloths reminding us that we're in the time of Advent, the Advent wreath 
the colder temperatures outside, the Christmas lights, the Christmas trees, all the different Santa Clauses that you see around Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel, Christmas is coming. And the list can go on and on and on. You can't escape that fact. In other seasons, you see other signs. In the beginning of November, if you were to drive around Deschler, you'd see all kinds of signs. And if you watch TV in the end of October and beginning of November, you heard all kinds of commercials again and again and again. It was election season, and you couldn't escape that fact. And a little earlier before that, the farmers were looking into their fields to see, is it time to harvest yet? Looking for signs of the harvest. We live our life by signs. They help us to know where we are, what season we're in, and what to expect. We use signs every day. Jesus here in our text gives his disciples to be on the lookout for. Signs and signals of his return. In verses 25 through 26 he says, There will be signs and sun and moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among nations, and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. These signs that Jesus speaks of here, they're not going to be missed. You can't miss these signs. There's nowhere, there won't be anywhere for you to turn, no rock to bury yourself under when these signs happen. They will be evident. The prophet Joel speaks of the sun being turned into darkness and the moon into blood and wonders in the sky above. And John writes in Revelation of the sun becoming black and the moon became like blood. And what exactly that's going to look like, I'll be honest and say, I don't know. But when that time comes, not one of us will say, is this it? We will all know this is what Jesus was talking about. We'll know it when we see it. And so in the meantime, as Scripture declares it, we believe it. Even if we can't picture it or even if we don't know how exactly scientifically this is going to happen. God's word is true. So whatever these signs are, they'll be evident to all. And people aren't going to know how to respond. People aren't going to know what's going on. Luke describes dismay among nations, perplexity, and fear. Men fainting from fear and the expectation of what is to come. One commentator says that that word fear is probably too weak a word, but maybe a better translation would be expiring. People expiring from their fear, being scared to death at what is about to happen and what is about to come. Matthew records Jesus saying, stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heaven will be shaken. It sounds terrifying. And as if it couldn't seem any more frightening, the climax comes in verse 27, as Jesus says this, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. The Son of Man coming when he returns won't be appearing as he did in Bethlehem as a fragile baby. But instead, when he comes, he'll be coming with great power and glory, with all authority in heaven and on earth, and it will be a terrific sight to behold. Jesus shares a parable with his disciples to answer this question. When? When is this going to happen? He gives a parable about a fig tree and all trees. And he says, as soon as you see the buds forming on the trees, you know that summer is coming. Soon it will be here. 
And when these events described in verses 25 and 26 take place, verse 27 is coming. The king is coming. Though the signs surrounding Jesus' return are indeed troubling, Jesus has words of encouragement to believers. In verse 28, he says these things. But when these, begin, these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads. When the sky is falling and everyone around you is losing their minds and heading for the hills, Jesus says, heads up. And not the kind of heads up you hear when kids are playing and something's, already, something's all of a sudden coming your way, which really means heads down. But Jesus says, heads up. Why does Jesus say, heads up, straighten up and lift up your heads? It's not to show everybody how strong you are. It's not to show everybody how brave you are, but it is because your redemption is drawing near. At the end of the parable in verse 31, Jesus says, When you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. These events for the believer won't be terrifying. They won't be unforeseen. They won't catch you off guard. They won't be a surprise because Jesus has already told us about them. We are to expect them. Zephaniah describes this coming day of the Lord as a day of wrath. A day of trouble, a day of destruction, a day of desolation and darkness, gloom, clouds, thick darkness, trumpet and battle cry. But for God's people, for the people who are trusting in Jesus Christ, this day, dark as it may be, is a day of deliverance. And our deliverer is coming. No longer will we be subjected to the injustices of this world. No longer will we feel the effects of sin, disease, and illness, of death and destruction and chaos, or be affected by evil. But in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it will all end. Jesus will come with power and great glory, and the kingdom of God will be fully realized. And as Paul says, we will all be changed. There's a certain now and not yet aspect of this kingdom of God that needs to be understood here. Jesus speaks of a coming redemption in verse 28, saying, Your redemption is drawing near. But numerous times throughout Scripture, God speaks of it as a completed act. Like, in Ze like Zechariah said in Luke chapter 1, when Zechariah says these words, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Zechariah is saying here, it is done, it's been finished. And it also, Scripture also speaks of it as something we currently possess in Christ. From Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So there exists a certain now and not yet tension with the kingdom of God. In one sense, it's here as we experience and we receive the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ and salvation in Him. And in another sense, it will be fully realized. We'll experience it to the full extent when Christ comes back again and the kingdom comes in its full glory. And when that day comes for the believer, it's a glorious day. A day when God calls us to straighten up and to see your Deliverer coming, to see your Redeemer coming. In the meantime, as we live in this present kingdom of God where we have the forgiveness of sins, 
We also live in this world that's still affected by sin, death, and the devil. But as we live in this world, Jesus gives us his promises. He gives us his promise here in verse 33, saying that what he has said will come to pass. Though it hasn't been fully realized yet, we know that it will. Verse 33, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Even in the chaos and the terror described in verses 25 through 26, God's word still will remain. This doesn't mean that in the midst of all this destruction and chaos, the only thing that you'll find on this earth are a pile of Bibles laying around. That's not what Jesus is speaking about here. It means that his promises continue, that they will not be revoked. It means that his faithfulness will continue to endure and that his redemption still stands completed. In all of the destruction, Jesus will still be a rock and a refuge, an ever-present help in trouble. Jesus will still be salvation. The king is coming, and when he comes we will fully realize the redemption that he brings. John writes in 1 John 3, he says this, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. He says here that we are already children of God, but what we're going to be we don't know yet, we can't see yet. But when Christ comes back, we will fully and ultimately finally see what it was we were meant to be. And our faith will be made sight. And so we struggle in this life, affected by sin, affected by death, affected by illness and disease, the fallenness of this world. We keep our eyes on the horizon, knowing and waiting for our Deliverer to come. Because His Word will never pass away and His Word is true. Meanwhile, he instructs us to be on guard and to keep on the alert. Jesus tells his disciples not to be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. Just like Jesus spoke of the seeds that were sown only to grow up to be choked out and killed by the cares of this world, by the worries of this life, Jesus says the same thing here. Keep on pressing on. Keep pressing on in faith. Don't be weighted down or distracted by the worries of this life, but be on guard and keep watch for his return. There are some people that have taken this idea and they apply it to every action that you could possibly do. And they encourage you, or maybe it's a more accurate to say they guilt you into modest behavior. Asking you the question, is that what you would want Jesus to find you doing when he returns? You heard that before? An example is, for instance, Christians shouldn't go to the movies because I don't want to be seen sitting in front of a screen when Jesus returns. This isn't how we prepare for his return. This isn't what Jesus is talking about when he says, be on guard and keep on the alert. But being ready at his return isn't some action that we do. It doesn't mean being paranoid about your every activity. But Jesus here is talking about being prepared for his return. So the question is, how can we be prepared? How can I be sure that when Jesus comes back, that I will see my deliverer coming? That I will see my redemption drawing near? 
that I will be ready. He says, don't be consumed by the worries of this life, but instead keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So the question really is, how in the world are we to stand before the coming of the Son of Man when he comes in glory and power? How are we to have this strength to stand before the God of all creation? I'll give you the clue, a clue here. The answer is not by standing on your own track record. The answer is not by saying, God, look at all these great things that I've done. The answer is not by standing on the street corner proclaiming Christ day in and day out. Paul gives us the answer in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained salvation, obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. Paul is saying here that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so when God comes back in all of his glory and all of his might, we've already been reconciled to God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And as we stand in Christ, we are ready, we are alert, we are prepared, and we stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The verb that Paul uses here, stand, is in a perfect tense, which simply means that it's an action that's been completed in the past, and it continues to have ongoing results, ongoing effects, even to today. You could put it, say this, being justified by faith, we continued justified. Being ready and being alert means being found in Christ, and that's a condition of faith. It's not some activity that we do. This morning we had the privilege of seeing the triune God place his name on two souls in baptism. And we praise God for that. God has fully and truly saved them and they are saved. And they, just like all of us who are baptized, have been united with Christ. And so now they are clothed with Christ. They've been justified by faith and they stand in Christ. However, it's not enough to simply have just been baptized. Now, I'm not saying the work is only half finished. It is fully complete, and they are saved, and we are saved as we are baptized in Christ. But as Jesus says in Mark 16, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And so if we walk away from the faith that was given to us in baptism, if we no longer believe in Christ Jesus, what hope do we have? We don't have hope. But if we continue on in Christ, as we continue to be sustained by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, continue to stand in Christ, not trusting in our own actions and our own deeds, but trusting in what Christ has done, we continue to grow in our faith. We continue to spend time in God's word. We continue to be sustained by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We continue to be fed Christ. And if you don't, You'll be weighted down, and your faith will be choked out by the worries of this life. And you won't be ready at Christ's return. You won't have the strength to stand when Christ comes back. You won't have the strength to escape all of these terrible things that are about to take place. And when Christ comes back, you won't see your redemption drawing near. 
but you will be undone by his power and his glory and his holiness as you realize your own utter wretchedness, your own sinfulness, your own lostness. And it will be for you a day of wrath, a day of trouble, a day of distress, destruction, and desolation, and a day that will not end. Jesus is coming again, and heaven and earth will pass away. There's no safe place for you to hide when this time comes, unless, unless you are hiding in Jesus Christ. Unless you are hiding in Christ and standing in his grace and you are clothed with Christ. Unless you believe in the crucified and risen Savior and are united to him by faith. Christ is your hope and Christ is your strength. And apart from Christ, you can do nothing. So do not separate yourself from Christ, but continue in him. Trust in his promises and hold fast to his word which will never fade away. So a question I have for you this morning. When the Son of Man comes again, what is it that you will see? Will you see your Deliverer and your redemption drawing near? Or will you see wrath and destruction and realize your greatest mistake? Today, Christ comes to you through his word and he calls you to enter into his kingdom. He calls you to repentance and faith. And in so doing, he calls you to be ready. Are you ready? If you aren't sure, I would love to talk to you after the service so that you can know and you can be sure that you are standing in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and you are ready for his return. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that in your word you come to us. In your word you reveal to us the finished work of Jesus Christ. And through your word, you give us the promises of faith. You work faith in us through baptism. You convince us of what you have done. You tie your name to us. You close us with righteousness. We thank you. We praise you for that. Lord, help us never to walk away from this truth, to never walk away from this grace that is in Christ Jesus, but to continue to stand in him and be strengthened by him. Father, we pray for those who are not ready for your coming again, that they would be ready. Lord, that they would come to you in repentance and faith, that you would save them. Father, help us when that day comes to be able to say, my deliverer is coming. My deliverer is coming for me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.